1: World-class Jim Crockett Promotions, Big Time Wrestling, Mid-South. $2.00 Late Presents, Territory Marks, with Paul London and Zach Schaefer. The show that celebrates matches from the glory days of professional wrestling. From one man who lives it, and another man who loves it.
0: This is the final episode of our crossover month. The culmination you've all been waiting for, Territory Marks, is here. Podcasting After Dark has been a part of $2 Late Fees crossover all month long, and today we have a very special guest on Territory Marks with us to talk about a very special person. Joining us, Paul London and I, is Sleazy C., Corey from Podcasting After Dark. Corey, what is happening?
2: Oh, thanks. Thanks, dude. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, not only am I your co-host on Podcasting After Dark, but I'm also a fan of Territory Marks. And, uh, you know, Zach knows my background with wrestling or or lack thereof. So that's kind of a big deal. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we'll get into it, I'm sure.
0: Oh, yeah, we will. We will. I want to get your... Uh, background on this but uh, but Paul for everyone who is not caught up on this September all month long is podcasting after dark $2 late fee we covered the movie Roadhouse here on $2 late fee and then broke down the movie on podcasting after dark and then interviewed Marshall Teague aka Jimmy Reno from Roadhouse if you've heard all those episodes uh, if you haven't go back and listen to those episodes but before this all started, the inception of the crossover and 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 when it was revealed that Corey had never seen Roadhouse and he uh, up until maybe a, a month ago, I, you just blew Paul's and, mind. <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> Paul's Paul's going to lose it. After that happened, we said, OK, we got to do an episode for Roadhouse. That's our crossover movie. What are we going to do for Territory Marks? Well, we got to talk about Terry Funk. And then, sadly... A week before we're recording today, Terry Funk passed away at the age of 79. And there's no coincidences if you talk to our good friend Richard Horowitz. uh, He doesn't believe in them. Things all happen for a reason. And here we are talking about Terry Funk, the man, the myth, the one and only. And, Paul, you uh, have a very strong, close connection with Terry Funk, do you not?
3: Beat it, Dad. Um... Yeah, I I was very fortunate to, well, fall into the the camp training system, I guess, of his brother, Dory Jr. And it was through my training and then eventual uh, friendship and, and working relationship with Dory that I had met Terry. And it was actually, it was Dory that really kind of presented a lot of opportunities for me that, that really kind of paid out. Um, But it was Terry who was very, um, so he had done this, I guess these shoot interviews. They had asked him during this interview, you know, who, who are we, you know, who should we look out for? Like, who are the people on the rise? And I I guess I was the only one that he said, but he, he said me, and that helped get me um, into like ring of honor at the time, this was probably like 2002. So to have someone of that stature kind of vouch for me uh, and he had, you know, we, he was just always very uh, forthcoming with his stories and his advice and everything. He was just very, uh, you know, not, not for everybody, but like if he knew that you were legit, he once asked me to drive up to Lubbock from Austin and that's no easy driving that's about nine hours and, oh. yeah and uh so there was this company called xwf and it had uh some stars i mean it was pretty much kind of run by jimmy hart and it was they were trying to kick it off after um i guess kind of after wcw and everything was kind of in limbo in that little period there before they kind of reemerged as a, uh, secondary brand. Um, but there was this company XWF and they had a lot of rising stars and they had some, you know, not so rising stars. And so anyways, he asked me to come to Lubbock. I ch- kind of tricked two friends into going with me. Um, like well you know bring your gear there might be an opportunity you never know which you know you never know right always bring your gear yeah yeah so we get up to like this this big auditorium or armory or something it was i mean it was pretty big building but uh i just remember uh that's first time i met roddy piper as well who would later go on to be a friend of mine and a helper of uh wisdom but I just remember Terry, after the show, I, I wasn't able to get a match or anything, but it was still neat to be in that environment and meeting everybody and seeing, you know, that level of a show uh, going on because there was pretty decent production behind it. But I just remember Terry invited me, uh, you know, like I'm in the locker room and he's he's calling me over and he started trying to um, talk to me about my thoughts on the show, but he's like getting naked at the time. And, and, and he's like just sitting there, as comfortable as can be just sitting there uh i think he was like covered up with like a beer or something and uh
0: he's got a koozie on his yeah culo.
3: yeah yeah so i'm just like trying to not look at the funker but like trying to be respectful <laughs> yeah
0: that's what he calls his private area by the way the funker that's right
3: that's right that's right <laughs> it's a right down here a little funker a fantastic voyage apparently <laughs> uh to get onto the eager beaver out there in Amarillo. No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm just making all this up. But uh yeah, Lubbock was a fun, fun little trip. But it was just neat to be invited firsthand by him, whether I got to work or not, you know. So um but yeah, he was just always very helpful and instrumental in um any kind of advice I might need whenever you know I needed it. Uh but him and Dory were just you know, can't ask for better. Trainers and storytellers in that, you know, really. So,
0: oh yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, uh, we've covered a couple of his matches on this sh- show already. Yeah. I covered the steamboat funk match from clash of champions seven, which took place the year we're actually going to be talking about with funk. And you talked about, of course, funk and Lawler having their legendary brawl. <laughs> um, and we will probably cover more Terry Funk matches down the road. He he's, he's an integral part in my life as a wrestling fan growing up. And, and in 1989 specifically was a huge year for me as a wrestling fan. Uh, and obviously with you, you've got, intimate uh closeness with terry funk obviously so you know there there's a there's a lot going on there
3: i'll tell you this other quick story real quick that terry once told me he was saying he was uh in corpus christi he's like oh you know all the mexicans down there it's easy to rile them all up and everything so we'd have security escort us from the ring to the back so this coliseum or wherever they were at uh these Mexicans wanted to kill me. They were coming at me, clawing at me, you know, securitys getting me into the back. They ended up taking me right from the back, uh, straight into the car, like the getaway car basically. And uh we're sitting there, you know, and making our way to the hotel and I just I can't get comfortable, you know, and I'm sweating, I'm in my gear, and I just and one of the helpers or whoever the guy was that was there, he was, he was like sitting next to him and I just couldn't get I just couldn't get comfortable and then he was like Terry, holy shit! You have a dagger in your back. Um, so like My somehow, God. somehow from the ring, and yeah. So he had gotten stuck with the dagger from his from walk just from leaving the ring after his match to exit the building, and like kind of just went straight through to the back to the vehicle. Um, wow! And wow. somehow in that commotion, you know, because it wasn't guardrails. It was usually like a rope or something, or if anything, right? Um, right. So, kind of like what we talked about with world class
0: wrestling, where
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: they come through the audience oh, to get to the ring. Yeah, these
3: girls and, are making out know, with the Von Erics, and yeah, you know,
0: and meanwhile, he's getting
2: a dagger in his back, so yeah, good times, yeah, and not yeah. feeling it too. So, that's a adrenaline is a hell of a yeah. thing, yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So. Wow! Well,
0: before we before we kind of go more off on on Terry Funk and pay tribute to this this legendary wonderful person, um, Corey, you know when we when I asked Corey to come on the show with us, Paul, uh, he jumped at the chance because it was like, oh, I would love to be a part of Territory Marks, you know? Yeah,
3: and, we're expanding the territory.
0: Exactly, we gotta we gotta branch it out. That's right. But Corey's knowledge, well, Corey, I'll let you describe. What's your depth of knowledge when it comes to professional wrestling?
2: Yeah. So Zach and I have discussed this before on the um because it used to be TV Obscura. We would do a yearly uh, wrestling thing, and I think that kind of spun spun off into this. Um, but I've I've talked about it before. But just to kind of get uh you know your listeners on board and Paul on board, um, I'm a child of the 80s i was born in 78 um <laughs> aliens is my favorite movie i saw it in the theater with my dad when i was 8 years old um and i Kind of always grew up with huge fans of wrestling back home in Maryland. Um, and I'm excited to talk about the uh, Baltimore, you know, the uh, Wrestle War 89, cause that took place in Baltimore. But um, my friends in Maryland growing up, Luke and Xair, massive wrestling fans. So I would, you know, watch pay per views with them and stuff like that. And then I moved out to LA and met up with Zach and Diallo, and both of them were massive wrestling fans. So while I never watch much wrestling on my own, I've always been surrounded by people who are into it. So I've always had this, you know, I've had an understanding of it. I never looked at it as it was like fake or something like that. I got it. I understood it. You know, it just it just wasn't sort of my thing on my own. But I always had a great time whenever I hung out with my friends and we did watch it and I do remember, you know, seeing Terry Funk and I remember a lot of these guys that we're going to be talking about today but specifically Terry Funk, I do remember him and I always love seeing him and watching him in these matches now. I was like, oh man, he's he's so much fun, you know, but I I, I remember Sting and I, you know, I remember, obviously, obviously Ric Flair and stuff but, my buddy Xer is a big Great Muda fan, so I I kind of popped for him uh to use a wrestling term. I yeah. popped for Great Muda when I saw him. But um but that's kind of that's kind of my background. Um, you know, again, a child of the 80s, I grew up watching the cartoon, rock and wrestling cartoons, stuff like that. Um, but I didn't watch a lot of just matches on my own. But I would never be upset if I was at someone's house and we all watched wrestling. I'd be like, cool, this is awesome. I really I key in on other people's excitement level towards it, and I really enjoy watching things that someone's really excited about, even if I'm not particularly into it. So no, that helps, um,
3: right? The other person's yeah. excitement helps boost yours, even if you've seen this maybe a thousand times. or.
2: Yep, exactly. So I had a blast watching all this stuff, all the links and everything Zach sent uh, to prep for this. I had a blast watching all of that, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. But that's my perspective. That's where I'm going to be coming from in this episode.
3: Yeah, I well, go back to this place. Oh, go no, ahead. go ahead. No, you go now.
0: <laughs> no, you go now. you go now. I go back to this. I go to this place in my head where I always think about, man, if we were all kids hanging out together, because we're all relatively the same age, you know, Paul and I would be like uber wrestling fans f- freaking out over stuff and Corey yeah. would come over with his action figure. He's like, okay, this is cool. I just want to watch yeah, it. I just want so hang no, out with the guys and watch it. No <laughs> idea what I'm talking, you know, Dustin would come in and he's like, where's the Cheetos at? Or oh, you got Cheetos? Uh, I brought ruffles, <laughs> you know? And and so, and then, you know, we would be marking out and Corey, you'd be like, yeah, but, oh, uh, when's is, is RoboCop coming out? When's RoboCop coming out? Yeah, RoboCop? <laughs> right, RoboCop. RoboCop coming out
2: yeah. the thing. And, and I'll just throw out that as a kid, I loved <laughs> uh, the Road Warriors. I thought they were awesome. Um, but my favorite move in wrestling is the Frankensteiner. I always thought that was cool That's as It's pretty that.
3: cool. Yeah, it's a good one. What it's evolved into is something else. But, I mean, to have someone like that doing it was incredible. That was uh, Scott Steiner at his most athletic and most mulleted, um, which I think is probably why he doesn't and can't do it anymore, is because he doesn't have the glorious mullet, the Michigan mullet, the wind, yeah, catching, yeah, <laughs> our aerodynamics, like helps slow you down midair. Well,
0: what one of the things, Paul, one of the things that I love about this show that we do is I'll stumble upon clips that I wasn't intending to watch, and <laughs> and there is relevance with this. Yeah, Thunderfoot, for example. <laughs> he's loading his boot. He's yeah. boot. His boot is loaded. He's
3: unloading it. <laughs>
0: he's getting <rid> of it. <laughs> I, I stumbled upon a, a clip uh, of, of Funk, uh, Terry Funk, uh, in 89 when he had Funk's Grill, which we will talk about. And he's interviewing uh, the Steiner brothers. <laughs> and it's hilarious because it's clearly improv improv going on just between the three of them. And Scott Steiners, Scott Steiner's just standing there nodding and everything (laughs) it's really rick steiner who's like leading the charge with everything rick steiner kind of plays a goofy dim-witted guy and he's fondling terry funks earring he's like what is that what is that and terry funks like it's my earring it's my earring."
1: (laughs) you simple-minded people it's once again time for funks grill and have i got a surprise for you today I've got the two finest brothers in professional wrestling, two great athletes, the Steiners brothers, Rick and Scott. You know, I'm a married man, Rick, and I don't fool around, but I've got a couple of beautiful, beautiful daughters. And I'll tell you something, hey, I h- wouldn't... How old are they? How old are they? I wouldn't change them for anything in the world. What, I, how, what color hair? Long hair? That's color. none of your business. Well, just, but if, if, if I had the possibility to have some boys, which I wish for once in a while. I'd want them to be just like the two. Yeah, us. No, I'd want them to be just like you, Scott. What I about really... me? What about me? Well, you're just fine, Rick. Yeah, you really right. are, but Scott's got some other possibilities after professional wrestling. Oh, oh me think... too. I thought about being like uh, a sheriff or a fireman. Look at that. Oh, still. What is that? I'm trying to tell you that. That is my earring, but I am I like trying that. to tell you that I admire Scott and you and the way that you wrestle and the way that you look in professional wrestling.
2: How long was uh, was Funk's Grill on for? And I assume it was probably uh, was it it was a segment during shows right but I'm, I'm watching it now and i'm like well this is like this would be a perfect youtube channel like if this was yeah. happening you know type of thing right. um but i i enjoyed uh, uh funk's grill the episode the, or the segment that we watched i thought that was fun
3: yeah i mean yeah terry funk you know. oh, go no ahead. Go just ahead. according to rick it's you know rick flair even says it's the greatest talk show on american television yeah so i thought well <laughs> you know he's really putting it over whether it's sarcasm or not it's i would watch it like you said i would watch it it He would hope it would be a real show. And I love Terry. Terry, in all his talking segments, um, obviously with the exception of those that he's about to go out and do matches, his his ability to find the gaudiest Western wear or, you know, like just the, like, you know, like who... I would want to think that he gets his Western shirts at Goodwill or something or, you know, I don't know, but like I love his his bizarre fashion
2: like his that pot like the poncho thing that he's wearing and stuff like that. well just even
3: in the segments where he has like a shirt that has like fringe on the arms (laughs) and on like uh pals and like and it just it suits him but it's like no one in their room i would ever think of buying this shirt or his boots too his boots yeah with the jeans tucked in
0: that was the first time where I'm like, is that cool? And then we obviously <laughs> yeah. we, we wrap that up with Marshall Teague, Marshall Teague, who, uh, was our guest for, uh, podcasting after dark and $2 late fee. I point blank asked him, Paul, and I, and I, and I shouted you out too. I said, I want to know this, this reason why, uh, cowboys wear their boots, uh, uh, with the, on the outside, you know, the, with the pants tucked in, but Terry Funk on the other hand and he's wearing them in one match or one um, one vignette. He's got they're like these kind of baggy white boots that look a little saggy, little saggy white boots. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's not really rockin'. That's more kinda of like cock blocking.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's the old farmer on the range who just wants to slip on boots because he doesn't know. I guess so. Or mud and boots. Come on now.
0: Before we just Jump into Funk Fest and in our in our adoration of Terry Funk. Um, Roadhouse came out in 1989.
2: Yes.
4: That's
0: why we're focusing on the year of Terry Funk from 89. This format's going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. It's more of a freeform discussion talking about the year of Terry Funk in 89 when Roadhouse came out. Um, You know, up until this point, he didn't retire from wrestling, but he took a break. And he made a couple movies. He made Over the Top for one, and then he made, uh, I think that was in 87, right, or 86? 87. Yep. And then he made Roadhouse uh, a little bit later. When Roadhouse came out, Roadhouse came out in May of 89. And in May of 89, Terry Funk makes his comeback to the National Wrestling Alliance. So
2: how long of a period of time? Because Ric Flair kept saying five years. I think. Yeah, I heard like, five you know,
3: years. That's what I heard okay. too. But I don't know how accurate that was. Like, I don't think he had just been out of wrestling completely, right? Because had we not seen him in some of the stuff we've covered, Zach, like over the previous Yeah, we have. Five years? And,
0: and, and, you know, I'm not sure how... Uh, seriously, I take Ric Flair's uh, recollection. I
3: agree. He's gonna say what he needs to say to come out on top. He's the ultimate opportunist. That's why he's the That's nature right. boy. That's
0: right. In '89, he was actually a uh, he's. Uh, I think Terry Funk said he's 35, and I'm like, well, he's actually 40. In but, uh,
3: <laughs> he loves his stories, man. I told you. He's...
0: According to like Wikipedia, for example, uh, his career he took a break from '86 to '89, so. 3 years. Okay. Yeah. That makes a, that makes sense, right? I mean, you would think
3: Roadhouse was probably uh produced in 88. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh but then, you know, over the top, it's probably what 86 cuz it came out in yeah. think 87.
2: Yeah. cuz if if Roadhouse is hitting in May, uh this culminates I think in November, right? With the 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 la- that Thunderdome match. No, well, it's October, right? Because it's Halloween yeah. and everything. Right. Um so the movie was already out by this point, by the end of this, of what we're going to be discussing, essentially.
3: Right.
0: Yeah, this this rivalry starts in May. We're really focusing on his rivalry with Flair of 89 as well, Ric Flair. This rivalry starts in May and it culminates in November. Um, so, you know, Roadhouse had just come out. It's funny because uh, Flair comments that, Funk's off making movies with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And
2: that was like four years prior. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And it hadn't brought up Patrick Swayze yet because, you know, Roadhouse had just come out.
2: Yeah. And it was probably in the process of bombing, too, at that point. Yeah, Maybe. it did not do
0: very well. Yeah. Listen to that episode where we talk about that on Two Dollar Leafy and Podcasting After Dark. Um, but yeah, so Funk reemerges as a judge. For a wrestling for a, for a championship match between Nature Boy Ric Flair and at the time champion Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and this is uh Wrestle War Wrestle War '89. Yeah, baby. This was the finale of their uh of the storyline between Flair and Steamboat. Um, Steamboat beat Flair for the title, and then they had a two out of three falls match, which ended controversially. Controversially. (laughs) And, uh, and then they had their wrap up match where, you know, flair turned face. So, so flair and steamboat, the match finishes, um, funk comes into the ring. Let's just hit that bell. Funk comes in the ring to congratulate flair with flair and Jim Ross. And well, I'll let you guys discuss, uh, what What kind of happens next paul
3: well i I thought this was um just really well done and and just extremely entertaining uh just because Terry's obviously um such a great instigator, but he's just so odd in his delivery with things that you know he, he congratulates them and they both kind of acknowledge it like, all right, well thank you and
0: it's very awkward yeah
3: yeah, well then and then he doesn't leave and he's like and oh and i but i really mean and he so he keeps kind of like cutting back in every time they think you know and then um you know it's like a little game that he just keeps kind of playing with them and then um you know he issues the challenge and then that's where it starts to turn. Start. it's just like it's a pretty it's pretty layered like the things pretty layered uh just in seeing this challenger emerge out of nowhere but it only works because he has such a storied past he is such a known person so it wouldn't have mattered if he would have taken 10 years off but he you know he's he's the master hey,
5: hey, Rick. I want to be the first to congratulate you on being the new world's champion
6: terry thank you very much we do appreciate the judges being here
5: hey rick i also want to say that if it would have gone 60 minutes that i would have liked to have uh, i would have voted for rick flair because i think that you're the greatest wrestler in the world today
6: very nice thank you very much terry thank you very much thank you very much Terry. you know champ it went past 35 40 minutes it was nip and tuck both
5: you know i would i would also like to go ahead and i'd also like to go ahead and, and be the first one to challenge rick flair to that new championship
7: well terry uh, i'm honored that you'd like to get in the picture but as the wrestling fans know you've been an actor. you've been in hollywood sylvester stallone while i've been being the world champion and we got a top 10. We got a top 10 that the world champion is obligated to wrestle. And that's why we are number one. Wait a minute.
5: Rick. Wait a minute. Are you are you really saying that uh, I'm
7: not a contender? No, what I'm saying, Terry, is that you are a great wrestler, but right now you're rubbing shoulders with Sylvester Stallone and not the no. world champion.
5: No, 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 no. I was just asking, do you think it... Uh, you're I'm not Arkansas.
7: good enough. You're saying that I'm not good enough, aren't you, Rick? I'm not saying that at all, Terry. Yes, you are. If you want me to look you in the eye and tell you that I got a problem with wrestling a guy that's been out in Hollywood for five years, it's the bottom line, bud. I'm looking at the top ten, and you're no. not in the top ten. No, Rick, Rick, Rick. Let me conclude this by saying thank you. I'm honored, everybody. Win, lose, or draw Ric Flair. No.
5: Rick, please, please let me just say one more thing. I was I was just kidding you about going ahead and and, and wanting to challenge you. I didn't want to really challenge you. I was just kidding you. So, Ed Gummit, let's go ahead.
6: That was Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Hey!
0: And what I love about this segment, too, is that, you know, yeah, he comes in and he, he basically kind of meanders around the fact that he wants a title shot. <laughs> yeah. Look, there's a top ten. And there was. This was a at the time, Corey, this was a time when there was a legit top ten. And I love that in wrestling. Yeah. That's something I think that's sorely missed.
3: It was at the back of the magazines for each company. They had the list of top tens in the back of the magazines. For every major promotion. Right? Yeah.
2: So that's why Flair was like, Yeah, no, dude, like you're not here anymore. You've been in Hollywood this whole time. Yeah yeah you know, watching all these things, the promos are my favorite parts of the right. of wrestling and I, I love these interactions. I think they're a lot of fun. and I give mad respect to the the improv skills that all these guys have. Um, but i I didn't see where it was going. I was like, what where like, where's this gonna go and everything I was like, i was I was, I was intrigued. I was like on the edge of my seat, and that's from someone who, doesn't really watch a lot of wrestling, and I think that's a testimony to Ric Flair and Terry Funk's you know interactions there and everything. But I I like the drama. I got the drama. I understood the drama, even though I wasn't oh you know into it at the time. Um, my question at this point: Ric Flair and and Sting, their face, their faces, right? And then uh, uh, Funk and. Muda, uh, my buddy Xer said they were part of the uh the JTEX Corporation. Um yes. are, are they heels this time?
0: <laughs> they are, but they haven't formed yet. Okay. The JTEX okay. Corporation has not formed yet because so where we're at, I was a huge Ricky Steamboat mark at this time, you know, and when he lost to Flair, I was bummed out about it because he was my favorite wrestler at yeah. the time, right? and then flair wins and flair is now a face a full-fledged face
2: i'm sorry is he a face because he won is that is it because of that fact it's in the way he won, okay got right? it because right. they,
0: they basically congratulate each other and if there's a send-off where you know steamboat has kind of cer- uh, ceremoniously passed the torch over to okay. flair as far as being the okay. top face in the company and sting is around at this time but they're not like aligned just yet right and then, of course, Funk <laughs> utters the line, "Well, I was just kidding. I was just kidding about that. I, I was just, well, oh, Dadgummit. Why don't you to shake my hand, right?" And then it's such a beautiful moment because you're right, Corey. There's there's tension there. You're like, wait a minute, this is the end of a pay per view. This is the end of a of a of the, the the match, right? We're supposed to go. The program's over. Yeah. Like, where's this
2: going? And, and Ric Flair's been wrestling for like forty minutes, so he's tired yeah. and everything too. Right.
0: Exactly, and I had never seen anything up until this point at this moment like this as well, and so I didn't know where it was going. And then, of course, from that moment on, Funk sucker punches Flair, Yep. much to Jim Ross's surprise. Whoa, you know. <laughs> and what ends up culminating in a career, possible career-ending injury. What, uh, Paul? What is what does Terry Funk do to Ric Flair?
3: Well, he um. He sends him outside, doesn't he? He sends him outside, yeah, and then sends him over the guardrail, kind of wailing on him throughout, yeah. And it's like the little guardrail, so he kind of steps over it, brings Flair back over, and then carries him up onto like the announcer's table. And I was sitting here thinking, like, oh man, these—if they both stand on this thing, it's gonna break. Um, right. But somehow it gets. Rick up into the pile driver and then executes the pile driver and the the table doesn't break at all and they both just kind of take the pile driver, it looks great, and falls over the table just and then he grabs the table and throws it down onto Flair and I thought he was going to jump on it like a madman, but he ends up getting the, the chair and folds it up and hits a pretty nice looking shot to Flair's head while that's Flair's head's peeking out of the from under the table, like a hot dog wiener
0: or as funk would say, a hey, uh look at that horse tooth banana nose. Yeah, jerk. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I picked up on that. <laughs> I loved the horse tooth comment. I thought, Oh my God, like I, I'm not the only one who stopped that. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, he just went crazy on him, and I mean, what better way to sell tickets, you know, to your next event. And, and I mean, it also adds so much excitement and it certainly was the kind of, wrestler that flair needed to be in there with um yeah so that it was as wild card as it can get and then you can start figuring out in the meantime how you want to move forward with any of these top tens when was
2: the top 10 like phased out like when did that sort of end
3: well i don't know that WWF ever really used it in an acknowledging kind of way they had it kind of in the mark magazines in terms of what people were perceiving as contenders, but okay. they WWF never used it in terms of, you know, where are you on the contendership? Well, you were number three last I checked, you know? Okay. So they never really acknowledged it. Not at all. Like the NWA did or WCW did, um, which I always liked. I always thought that added something to it, but yeah, in this case, I I love the way that, that Rick uses it as a as a means for like look like this is my obligation as champion and yeah. you don't fall into that and this is why yeah i'm going to make a little comment about it but like that's cuz i'm rick i'm rick flair i'm a fucking champion <laughs> like are you, i'm i'm that guy you know and then for terry to have his crazy texas uh moment of being kind of seen you know, you say i'm not good enough here's you it's like what flashback did he go into here you know (laughs) i felt that i felt that energy when he was like i was like oh i was like i see he might
2: have hit a nerve on that one or something Totally.
0: (laughs) (laughs) well this this would set up so and by the way really quickly uh this took place in nashville tennessee what this does basically is it puts flair out of commission for a little bit it gives funk the opportunity to kind of get reintroduced to fans that maybe weren't familiar with him, Uh has a, a quick little run with Ricky Steamboat at a Clash of Champions, which we actually, Paul and I talked about, I think, in our inaugural episode. Oh, right. Uh, wow. Or maybe the episode number two. So go back and listen to that one. Um, but what that set up was because Funk was not in the top ten, he would go on to wrestle a bunch of jobbers throughout the uh you know, NWA run, just a bunch of guys to kind of rank himself up to get into number 10. And then he had a match between Steamboat and uh, himself and which Steamboat won by disqualification. Lex Luger, who factors into this towards the end, came in and set up his whole heel turn, which was very dramatic. Again, listen to that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what this did was this gave Flair, it also gave Flair an opportunity to rest up. They sold this whole neck angle that he broke his neck. Flair comes back in July of 1989 to have a match with Terry Funk at the Great American Bash. This was in July 23rd in Baltimore, Maryland. Glory days, as they
2: called it. This was a wild match. It looked like a real slobber knocker, dude. (laughs) It was a bloody match. It
0: was. It was a hard-hitting... I mean, these guys are punching each other. Paul, like there were moments where flair was punching funk in the face and he will do this in free future matches as well
2: yeah some point it just sort of becomes like a boxing match and you know again i sort of i i'm like amazed by the the physical talent of these guys that they can switch fighting styles but also not hurt each other in the process of doing it. And like, how do you call that out? Like, we're going to have a little punching match right now, but obviously don't right. freaking hit me, you know, knock me out or anything. And I'm like, wow, the fact that they can kind of switch on a dime like that is, yeah. is very impressive to me. And also impressive, the amount of blood and everything that they lost that match.
3: Yeah. There, I mean, these are two of the masters, absolute masters at this. And whether it's planned out or not, or, or just ends up organically, occurring on the on the fly which very well could be as well um there's such an immense amount of trust um but also respect which that goes into but you understand you're feeling that intensity uh build and build and build as you're doing something so then you start feeding into it more and more i mean it truly is addictive i mean the whole the whole bit of that is addictive and so when you take two masters at the top of their game, I mean, they could have done anything. They really could have done anything, and it would have been great. But they like, you know, like you said, they go out there and literally put each other through this slugfest melee brawl. And yeah, they can adjust to each other. That's, I mean, that's the thing that was always the reoccurring theme with Terry for me was that, you know. Sure, his bumps and this and that can be perceived as silly, which I think adds just immense entertainment to everything that he does, you know, totally agree. Um, But when it comes to his persona and his attitude and his execution, it was always like just a thousand percent and also in committing to the realism of it and and that's one of the things that I absolutely love about watching his work because it's still, I'm, it's so consistently great that I know that I'm going to be taken on a ride no matter how many times I've seen it. And like, and I'm going right. to, I'm going to buy into what I'm seeing no matter how many times I've seen it. It's like, oh, it's just, oh it just looks so good. It's so real. Like, how did that not hurt? Come on. <laughs> like, he pitched, punched him right in the face.
0: Yeah, right in the face, and, yeah. and as much, as many times people love to talk about, and and I am a part of that group. They love to see certain moves from Ric Flair, right, where he flops over the ropes and he does his that angle where he goes up up on the top and yeah, gets
3: thrown gorilla off, gorilla <laughs> press,
0: right? It's it's classic Flair there is equally classic funk-isms going on through this. You know, taking that fall over the side of the rail yeah. uh, that he does countless times, but it or, or, you know, getting in fans' faces, swinging at fans' faces without hitting them. Right. He's got this magic about him. You know, this match in particular, uh, it's about a 20-minute match. It, it culminates with Flair uh, getting a, a, a pin on funk, which uh, at this time now, Corey, Gary Hart... Who we've talked about on this show before, and we will continue to talk about again, manager, but so much more than that. Talker, promo deliverer, just amazing mind for wrestling. Uh, he's aligned with Funk. He's about to form a group called JTEX okay. because Gary Hart also represents Great, Great Muta. Muta. Yeah. So Great Muta comes out at the end and sprays f- Flair in the face, causing a beatdown. Uh, Sting, who has a rivalry with Muda at the time, comes out to make the save, and now we've got Sting and Flair aligned.
6: a billion
8: He got in the stack and
2: OK, so that's what brought that's what brings Sting into on Flair's side at that moment. And I'm I'm like, oh, my God, great mood. Oh my, it, oh, my God, it's Sting. Like, you know, I mean, I remember these guys and I was like, oh, this is wild. And then and I don't we're going to come back to it. But I just want to jump ahead to the, the finale. Was that Gary uh, Hart was also kind of trying to stop uh, Funk from shaking Ric Flair's hand and everything? Yes. I, OK, Let's yes. We'll, we'll talk about that when, when we get there. I just I'm piecing things together.
3: So,
0: so, yeah, no, so Gary Hart forms this group called JTEX, which, Paul, do you remember what the JTEX stands for? I was going
3: to ask you the same thing. I figured it was, like, do they all have Texas ties? That's the text part. Well, it's Japan and
0: Texas. Oh, that's Japan right. J-
3: uh, okay.
0: Right. Which... <laughs> Not going to lie, I didn't figure that out until about uh, a week ago when I started doing research on this. Yeah. So
3: I was like, oh, doy. like like JTACS. Is it like uh, for full absorption? What is the? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, Calvex? Is this something you put on yeah. a cold sore? Carmex?
0: Seriously. What is
2: it called? Well, so how long had Muda been in the States wrestling at that point then?
0: So Muta Muta made his premiere as well that same year okay. in NWA. He had been around for a while, and again, we talk about this on an early episode. Actually, that was the first episode, Paul. That was the first episode where it was Sting and Muta. Oh, that's right. And we talked about that, and then the that's second right. one obviously was was uh, uh well, yeah. Go back and listen to those episodes, guys. But yeah, Muta had, and and Funk were aligned. They were this little group with Gary Hart that set up what we're about to get to now because basically even though Flair got the win it continues the storyline and Funk is, you know, egging on uh Flair. They have they they have brawls throughout worldwide wrestling and all the other shows that TBS is showing in regards to NWA. There is a there's an incident in September of 89, so we jump ahead a couple months, right? We jump into September of 89, and Sting and Flair uh, are, are wrestling uh, Dick Slater, who's subbing for Terry Funk, because Terry Funk is injured, right? He At the hands of Flair, he gets a branding iron on his elbow, which there's a great... We'll talk about that yeah, uh, in a moment, uh, too. Yeah, that's good. Um, but uh, Flair and Sting wrestle Dick Slater and the Great Muta at uh, Clash of Champions 8, and that culminates with Funk coming out to interfere and the infamous, beyond infamous plastic bag incident where Terry Funk puts a plastic bag over Ric Flair's face to suffocate him. <laughs> Your thoughts. Uh, Corey, we'll start with you. <laughs> I mean, oh, and Paul, Paul's brought props to this. Yeah, a my plastic plastic bag. <laughs> so
2: right. this is the, the Sting Funk brawl, right? Is that what this is?
0: So this is right before the Sting Funk brawl. This is a, uh, like a couple weeks
2: prior to that. Okay, okay. I, I mean, again, I'm just, I'm just sold on everything. I'm, I'm flabbergasted and I'm sold. And it's just, I, I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen, truthfully. And I think it's from the selling of Terry Funk and St- you know, everyone who's involved in everything. Um, again, I like the wrestling aspect, but I like the drama. I think I'm really liking the drama in between. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I—I I mean, didn't see it coming. I'll say that
0: <laughs> it's so heightened. Paul, ha- had you had had you ever seen an angle where a guy put a plastic bag over another dude's head up until this point in '89?
3: No, but when I first saw it, I was like, he stole that from me because I used to like try and do that to my brothers. Um, <laughs> we used to we used to play to your brothers. R- what to his head? We used to play rough. Oh, like, but like, <laughs> oh my God, yeah, but we've used like a pillowcase or something, you know, yeah. uh, you not, kinda...
2: da- not dangerous at all.
3: <laughs> no, come on. Yeah. See, you did it. We all did it. Um, we all did it. Yeah. That's I, why they had to
0: put a label on it. because Somebody eventually died.
3: I would like to think. Yeah. Someone did put a label. We tear that tag off. Um, <laughs> I would like to think. And this is just the, the mark that I am for professional wrestling being portrayed as reality uh, and knowing that so much of it is, I would like to believe that Rick had maybe an idea, but wasn't certain that this was going to happen. Um, right. Either which way he, he certainly sold it great in the sense that there's, there's always a bit where he almost is still trying to get it. Like he has, he has, Like his hand on there like he doesn't like it's almost like he doesn't fully trust it um and i and i wonder if that's because he legitimately didn't know that it was going to happen or or because he just also knows that terry funk is a wild man and i need to have my own emergency break in the event that you know (laughs) he's he's
0: he goes off screen yeah
3: yeah and you know so who knows but just the whole. Um, but then I think as Rick stumbled to the outside and the bag stand on his head, it was like, OK, it's like, there's no doubt here. He trusts it because otherwise you'd be like tearing that thing off. Um, but I just love. Oh, yeah, I love the. The chaotic violence of it, but just also how practical it is, too. It's not like he's doing the 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 branding iron, which. Not all of us have at our disposal, uh, or the bull whip, but there's paper, ba- there's plastic bags everywhere, everywhere. You know, it's legit, so it feels legit. It literally yeah. makes me wonder what siblings learned to do this. Not putting a you know, a dark cloud over the promo, it's just it's real, it's legit. You know, it's it's this can really be scary. Um,
0: well, this moment causes. You know, it's a little bit of, it feels like a little bit of kayfabe because this moment uh, causes the executives at NWA to fine uh, and suspend Terry Funk in a wonderful promo. We talked, they talked yeah. about this in a recap. Uh, suspend Terry Funk indefinitely.
5: What does that mean? What does that mean?
0: Yeah, (laughs) Because he's being interviewed by Jim Ross and Gary Hart is there uh, discussing this this matter. He's fined and he's also suspended indefinitely
3: because of his actions. Was it $100,000?
0: Yes, $100,000.
3: Yeah.
6: The actions taken by Terry Funk go far beyond the guidelines of the sport. Beyond the standards we demand of our wrestlers. We are interested in providing exciting wrestling for all of our fans, but Terry Funk's attack will not be tolerated. Terry Funk is hereby suspended indefinitely from wrestling in the National Wrestling Alliance and will not compete in any event under our auspices. It is signed, Jim Hurd,
8: Executive Vice President, World Championship Wrestling. How long am I suspended for? Indefinitely. How does you? How does this herd or this idiot have the right to suspend me? He can't suspend me. Why doesn't he suspend Rick Flair? For Look what for, for what? I'll show you what for.
6: This is a legal document. He's suspended as of right now. He is not only suspended. They are asking for a hundred thousand
8: dollar fine am i supposed to go ahead and sit there and take that look at my arm what about Blair? get a close-up of that what about when he repeatedly beat me in the arm with a branding arm look at that and now you expect me to apologize and pay a hundred thousand dollars fine? no Well, yes i bagged him yes and the intent was there, and yes, I would do it again. Don't you kids ever do anything like that? Don't ever do anything like that. All right, but well, right now, officially, he is and suspended just, indefinitely. For how long is it? Indefinitely. This is my livelihood. This is how I you brought do. it on your. Which
3: is still a ass butt of money. I mean, Jesus. Hundred thousand. It is an ass butt of money. Yeah, and and,
0: and it's and it's also a moment where it, it it's comedy. This is what you talked about earlier, Paul. This there's like comedy but drama at the same time. And right. Corey Terry Funk does such a, a fine line in this promo of one minute like you're laughing at him because you're like this guy is complaining about a bruise on his elbow, yeah. right? Yeah. That that Ric Flair caused It's the smallest little <laughs> bruise, and and he's and he's on the verge of tears because he's so upset. It, it, but then and Gary Hart is selling the anger, right? So it's a nice balance. What are your thoughts about that promo of uh, of Funk uh, f- finding out that he's been suspended indefinitely? Whatever,
2: what does that mean?
3: <laughs> I what is hilarious? Yeah, well, um, it's funny. I mean, it should be right. I yeah. Mean-
2: I mean, but that's that's the balance, like you said, Zach. You know, the between the humor and and the drama of it. Um, I think it's a perfect balance. I w- I saw the humor in it. I enjoyed the humor in it. But I was also sold on the stakes as well, and and what it meant to to every you know all the parties involved and everything. It, again, without like I don't have all this backstory with me, but I can still watch these things and and in their like in their individual moments. And I and because. Everyone is selling what they need to sell. Terry Funk, especially I understand what the stakes are. I understand what people are upset about. And I think that's a testimony to just his skills as, as, so as a talker, you know, like as, as a, yeah. someone who can cut a promo and everything.
0: Absolutely. I mean, what, so what is going on at this time is, is not only is Funk like suspended, but then flair, uh, is able to lift the suspension, pays the fine to get him reinstated so he can have a match with him. And we're going to get to that in a second, what that match is going to be. But in this time, Funk has a brawl with Sting, right? Because Sting's being interviewed and and Funk also equally hates, uh, Sting, (laughs) not on the same level, but, but, but our good boy, Lance Russell, Paul, is interviewing Sting. Yeah, and when Lance Russell pops up, I'm like, oh my god, I love Lance Russell so much. Yeah, uh, Corey Lance Russell was just the voice of Memphis wrestling yeah. for the longest okay. time, Absolutely. and a great commentator. And Sting is is not he's not the strongest promo guy, right, Paul? He doesn't mm-hmm. deliver like the he does. He delivers energy. Yeah, yeah, he
3: gets the intensity <laughs> notes.
0: But, but he I wouldn't say he's the best promo cutter because he's like,
2: I'm just I'm having a good time, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love what, in one of the promos, he's kind of just dancing while Ric Flair's talking. And I'm like, yeah, Sting, you dance, bud. You get there. <laughs> you dance with your ADD. Well, it <laughs> makes you
3: wonder where he felt the need to add his own how I mean, it had to be completely lifted off of Flair. Flare's like, yeah Whoa. Whoa. But it says just like I don't even know. Nobody did but nobody does the sting how. Yeah. You know?
2: Everyone knows the woo and you know exactly what it
3: is and where it's coming from. But right. yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? How like Sting does the like I know, or whatever the hell he yeah. does? Like Yeah. Yeah. It didn't get over, I think, the way that he had envisioned. Like I think he had like thoughts of every time he does this and this, people are gonna be like, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's still those hardcore marks that are like I like crow staying. Um, well <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you, you like Joker Sting I love Joker Sting I, uh, I know you do we're not even going to talk no, about okay. that we're oh I less. remember
2: Crow Sting I'm here, I remember uh what uh Surfer Sting I guess so is this arrow is this, kind of Surfer Sting now right this is Surfer
3: okay. Sting wait, wait till uh, you wait till you get to see Joker Sting Corey you'll be like a dog <laughs> chasing its own tail yeah you'll be awesome. like
2: a dog but I, I did always love uh Crow Sting though man I, I was uh, I love the crow
3: and I was like yeah Sting you do your thing dude i love it apparently that was razor ramon's idea right did you hear Ah, that that was yeah yeah scott Hall presented that idea to him it was a great idea yeah
0: and 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 sting uh surfer sting was uh, that was bodie's second halloween costume by the way he was surfer sting i made him a sting costume with
7: the rat tail Uh,
0: with the rat tail (laughs) no 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 rat tail on okay good i wish um not not the dyed black rat tail which (laughs) i'll talk about in just a minute but i wanted to add i always thought i always thought sting should add a a baby at the end of ow so you go ow baby that's what i thought would
3: be maybe i I mean it would have stuck (laughs) yeah he, he could also just cook like like a rooster yeah yeah i think that'd be just as over so sting
0: has a brief little brawl with Funk in this segment, and it's all outside
3: the ring in
2: this one, isn't it? It's all like on the mat or on the floor and everything on freaking concrete and whatnot. Best
3: place for a funk'er. (laughs) And we're talking
0: a time when there were no pads on the ground. This is straight up. Oh yeah, no, you
2: can tell, like you can tell, it's just like a you know some cloth or something down on top of concrete.
3: Yeah.
6: Well, in everybody's life, a little rain must fall, and now comes the time for a downpour with us. Uh, talking about Terry Funk out. Hey, Terry, we
8: respect the fact you are. What is the issue? Is the issue between myself and Sting or the issue between Ric Flair? The issue is between Ric Flair and myself. What does the Stinger have that I want? He has absolutely nothing. He has no guts. He has no... Yeah, you better go ahead and do it. If you want to do it, do it now. Oh, oh. came out here and funk,
6: had done on a previous interview in a crazy funk sandbagging sucker punching, jumped on him and is slamming him on the concrete, hit him with a chair twice,
8: knocked. Him Terry Funk, you are
0: so, I mean, this this is a great moment to, to just just to see how reckless and wild once again Terry Funk is. There's no plastic bag involved in this match in this moment. Well, and uh, he kind of sucker little... he
2: kind of sucker punches Sting, right? And so that's a and so since he's a heel, that's kind of a, that's is that a, is that expected at the time because he's a heel?
3: I don't think it matters. I think it is expected. I think. Uh, you know, like you before... expect him
2: to throw the first punch, essentially, because he's the heel.
3: It shouldn't surprise you. You know okay. what I mean? Uh, does it happen every time? No, but it shouldn't. It certainly shouldn't surprise you. But I think it. It always works for Terry because um, his movements are very rattlesnake-like. And yeah,
0: that's a great way to describe him. Yeah.
3: He's just, it, it really is, you know, before Steve Austin ever became the Texas rattlesnake, I feel like that is completely owed to Terry and his movements, not just in the ring, um, but in his persona as well, you know, when he does a lot of these promos, because he, unlike, like you said, sting, who's full of the energy and intensity and, um, sex wax uh i think he uh he's always at a eight or nine going to ten right um whereas with terry he'll start out in like the twos and threes and he'll get up to like the eight or nines and then he'll come back down to the four and threes and then he'll you know so he just has such a a layering to his cadence and delivery and and it amazing i noticed that lures you in he's a he. he's real you can get burned out on like
2: stings like like who's somebody who has constant intensity whereas Terry Funks like you said I, I picked up on that ups and downs that gives you a roller coaster to go right. on during the the promo and or whatever he's doing I did notice that and I liked it and I thought well I thought it was more about conserving energy but I think it's also about showmanship you know you don't you watch a movie, and I love the first John Wick. Zach, I know you hate you don't haven't watched them. But I love the first John Wick because the action scenes are, I think, are at a manageable pace. By the third one, some of these action scenes are like twenty minutes long, and I find I myself can't. zoning out. You know,
3: I've only seen the first John Wick, and that's that's too. good enough for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> shout <laughs> me out, too. shout out to Dean Winters. He's <laughs> awesome in that movie.
2: But I, but I think that like yeah, if you try to maintain that high, like at a, eight or a ten, the entire time. You get bored with it. You you want a roller coaster. You want highs and lows as a viewer.
3: Yeah, I mean, oddly enough, uh, one of Sting's, like, his first tag partner was Jim Hellwig, right, who, like, became Ultimate Warrior. Um, even Warrior had the ability to shift levels, and I think that's why his promos were iconic. Um, I agree. And especially in contrast to i mean it it worked for his level of in-ring skill you know and so yes Yes. um you weren't gonna get a crazy long layered match but you're also gonna get more than like a a goldberg match um you know and so but it totally worked especially when they went long like that match he had with macho man at wrestlemania 7 was long you know to the point where like all his paint has like been Battered off his face, and right, he's pouring sweat and he's drenched. Uh, so he could go the distance, um, and just had a very limited moveset, but it all worked for what he was. But it was his promos that, like, truly sent him over the top, you know. Um, and I just feel like Sting never quite had those that level of promo believability. I always felt it was, you know. Like later on yeah "Ah!" i just yeah
0: (laughs) his promos were never really his promos were never strong i totally agree but his in-ring work was fantastic and so i think where where he in my opinion where he excelled was when he sold that match and and what we're getting to obviously uh coming up with halloween havoc Uh. is is unreal in my opinion and and definitely deserves more praise i think than it gets i agree but but before we get to that before we get to that though um you know this this brawl that funk had with sting was in early october and then we're jumping right into halloween havoc but before we do that before we do that the i quit match that culminates this whole storyline was originally supposed to take place before halloween havoc and then suddenly it gets shifted. Okay. Because in this, in this recap that I sent Paul and Corey, and by the way, all of the links to uh, this episode, once again, are in the show notes. So go check those out. But in this recap of the funk flair rivalry, where you get the promo from uh, Terry Funk and Gary Hart with the, you know, why he's got the busted elbow with a little bruise. All on Right. It, um, you're you're setting up this idea that there's going to be this I Quit match that is coming, but it's going to take place before Halloween Havoc. Suddenly there's this shift, and they do it at the end, which makes more sense, by the way, because it is the end of the chapter. Yeah. I was going to say that right. meant,
2: it, watching it, you know, in the order that, that it, I guess it aired is, which is how you sent it. Yeah. It would make, yeah. it makes more sense to have it end with the, I quit versus, you know, what happened with the, the, the dome, the Thunderdome electrified Thunderdome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because yeah, what ends up happening is it worked out this way. Rightfully. So <laughs> that Halloween havoc comes up fantastic pay-per-view, by the way, Brian Pillman had a great match with Lex Luger. Brian Pillman made Lex Luger look great in that match. Uh. And of course, the Road Warriors. And a lot of the the staples of NWA were on that card. But, But the main event of Halloween Havoc is Nature Boy Ric Flair and Sting with Ole Anderson as their Terminator. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Versus Terry Funk and the Great Muda with Gary Hart as their Terminator.
6: It is now time for the Thunderdome! Ladies and gentlemen from Charlotte, North Carolina, he weighs 245 pounds. And for the sixth time, he is the World Heavyweight Champion, Major Boy. There's no beautiful women around Ric Flair as is normal. He is all business here. If there'll be a party, it'll be after this one's over because he has been training hard, he and Sting. The question is how far will Ole Anderson let it go? Gary Hart has the most to lose by letting it go too far because he makes his living on the productivity of the great Muta and Terry Funk.
2: The the notes that I'm bringing to this match are Terry Funk looked awesome in this. Like he looked beefy as hell. This is where I put the right. note down that that, that Terry Funk looked like he was in great shape. That I think this was the best shape that he was in, and then followed by the I quit match. So so that's the hard hitting facts
3: that I'm going to be bringing to this discussion. Uh,
2: <laughs> what, He's got a rock and pod. He does. I
3: mean, he did. What a gimmick, though, right? I mean, it was this one of the this this. I'm sure this was one of the first cage matches of this scope and scale that you'd seen though right Corey? i mean this is this is before hell in a cell
2: or that that famous mankind match where he gets his the tooth knocked out of yeah, his that's, nose yeah
3: and... that's uh hell in a cell yeah yeah before elimination chamber this is uh you know say what you will about nwa wcw's production value but like they knew how to really uh, shine up the gimmicks you know and, and it was, it was really
2: electrified, too. Like, the top, apparently, the, you know, the top of it's electrified, so much so that the, I guess, the the stagehands that decorated it, because it's Halloween. And right. this makes sense, because I bet you they didn't even think, you know, that this was, they thought this was going to be in November. So they're like, oh, we're going to do it for Halloween. Go dress that. And right. yet, they put it on an electrified fence, so it catches fire to the point where right. the great Muda has to climb the fence and put it out <laughs> with his Muda mist. But at one point, you do hear him when he climbs. You hear the bzzz, and he's like, I'm like, damn. That oh, is really? Real. So yeah.
3: This, yeah. So I would imagine this was similar to if any of you have ever had, uh, if any of you have ever been tased by a uh, perpetrator. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> if, if if you've uh, ever felt like an electric dog fence or yeah. the wiring that goes into like keeping livestock or something kind of in, it's not, it's not going to electrocute, but it's going to, it's almost like a yeah. like a very extreme, uh, uncle fester's challenge yeah thing you know like what was that if you play that game Zach? I'm sure uncle fester's
0: quest no Th- well the, that game rule
3: no the one where you like sit down and you put your hands oh. around the metal the steel thing and it shakes you like it's supposed to be an electric oh, yeah. chair you're like yeah I-, I did that yeah i did
0: that i thought you're i thought you're gonna con- compare it to licking a nine volt battery to make sure it was still working
3: i mean you could that or a toad's ass either one and <laughs> i think uh I think you'll be fine either way, but this seems like it would have given a good little buzz shock that probably didn't feel great. Um,
2: judging by Muda's reaction, yeah, it, it it seemed like it did, which was cool. Um,
0: well, that this matches, and you're right. This is in, this is interesting because this this is a precursor to so many ma- matches we got used to seeing so many. in a ring, yeah. right? And and years prior to this there was that like a uh, tower of terror or tower of doom match where there were like three oh, matches World War three. on top of, uh,
3: oh, no right?
0: that was and later and before that that was later but they did it earlier right. like i think in 87 my, with jimmy garvin and a bunch of other people um but this this match in particular was so unique and you know the the heels and the faces were so well defined right and Ric Flair, in my opinion was at the highest level he's ever been as far as a being a face. Like, he was the most popular he's ever been as a quote-unquote good guy, right? And Sting was beyond a shadow of a doubt the most popular wrestler in the NWA at that time. Um, and and the special referee of this match is Bruno San Martino.
3: Yeah. Which
0: is really I – and mean, he's he's another – Corey, he's a legend in this business. Pittsburgh uh, I kind of goofed on, on him a little bit because he uh, took over UWF and was like, "There's well, there's no, there's, uh, this organization is going to be about no steroids. <laughs> and people are like, okay, cool. But, but
3: anyways um, – Me th- this guy? <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> Bob Cottle. Bob Cottle and Jim Ross are on commentary. And Bob Cottle was – so good with Jim Ross on commentary. I love Bob Cottle. I, th- I think he's an underrated uh, commentary uh, guy. But um, the the match was you know there's a pr- there's a there's two promos that happen before the match takes place, and I love that Funk says we're gonna introduce the ten thousand watt boogie. Like he talks about a new <laughs> dance move, yeah. The 10,000 Watt Boogie and Fried Chicken. We're going to introduce Fried
8: Chicken. <laughs> you know, I want to say one thing. You know, Winston Churchill said, never say die. Gary Hart says electrify. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to start a new dance craze here in Philadelphia. It's going to be the 10,000 Watt boogie featuring rick flair and
1: sting here tonight and besides that we're going to introduce something new fried chicken i'm talking about rick flair when we push him up against that electrified fence
0: and of course you got tommy young as the referee tommy young is my favorite referee of all the times uh he he's one of the guys that helped put out the fire yeah, because, oh, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs>
2: yeah i saw him climb yeah exactly
0: and so uh, Ole Anderson and Gary Hart are the quote unquote terminators. So the the, the rules of this match are there's no rules, right. even though it's a tag match, and they they go by Australian rules. But then it turns into a Texas death match, according to Jim Jim Ross. Uh, or sorry, Texas tornado. What match. are the
3: Australian um, rules?
0: I'm like, what the hell are Australian rules? You <laughs> mean like legit tag rules where they're just tagging <laughs> in each other? Um, it's but, a but what's interesting when they come to the ring. <laughs> You know, uh, Jim Ross is talking about the fact that Ric Flair means business. He's got no women with him. You know, he's not coming to. Uh, you know, he's 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 not coming to the, the 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 pop and circumstance. Even though he kind of still does, uh, he means business, right? And then um, this Terminator idea is because the match has no pinfalls, no submissions. The the Terminator is your is your you know, handler who's outside the ring, who has a towel in his hand. And when he throws in the towel, that's when you guys okay. have given up. Got it. That's yeah. The Terminator.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, one thing I wanted to point out before we have a more discussion about it and get you guys general thoughts. Uh, did you guys pick up on the fact that Jim Ross at one point is talking about Sting? He says, Sting, the youngster from Venice Beach, California, started out as a member of a team called the Blade Runners. So the fact that he gave. His original tag team, a shout-out, was pretty cool. WWF was definitely not doing that at the time. They wouldn't even acknowledge any other organization.
3: Right, right.
0: But then Jim Ross throws a little zinger in there. He goes, I think his partner has not progressed like this kid has.
3: Oh, cold, Jim. Great drop kick by Moot
6: Basting. The youngster from Venice Beach, California. Started out as a member of a team called the Blade Runners. Fuck like this kid has. Well, and yeah, you talk about coming a long way in a short period of time.
4: Cold blooded.
0: <laughs> Paul, I think you said it perfectly in describing Ultimate Warrior. They're very different styles, you know, and, and very very unique characters, the Ultimate Warrior and Sting. I wouldn't compare the two other than the fact that they both wore face paint. I right. think they're two totally different wrestlers.
2: Right. I wouldn't even put the, them two together. Like I'm in with my limited knowledge. I never in my head kind of put them as, as the same sort of type of wrestler or, or a carbon copy, I should say, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, this match itself is brutal as hell. Yes, it is. There's amazing is. spots throughout. <laughs>
2: there's bodies flying, bodies hanging, bodies electrocuted. It's... Yeah. it's, it's Corey, go. Yeah, yeah it's go for, awesome. it. Go for no, it. No, dude, it's it's freaking awesome. I, I lamented the fact that at one point, uh, uh, Funk was, was hanging there, and the stupid... in a decoration, a stupid <laughs> Halloween decoration was in the way, which again, it all makes sense now that you told me that this was supposed to be after in November. I think it was... I think the set decoration really messed up on it, but yeah. Terry Funk's hanging there. We don't even get to see it, but you can see his legs and stuff. You're like, Oh my God, there's upside down. If I could, it got me excited to want to be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: I will say really quickly, I think this is always intended to be a Halloween havoc match. However, I totally agree with you. The camera angles were terrible, yeah. especially for that one spot in particular where, where Flair has Funk upside down and something's going on. Yeah, something's but happening. The, way the camera's pointing. You can't see anything. Well, no, that's
3: I happening. think Corey hit it. I think Corey hit it that set dressing must have been a sort of a last minute adjustment because you would think the cameraman would have. Yeah. So I feel like that threw off a lot of things, uh, production wise.
2: But, like, we got, what, Sting swinging on a rope, you know, through the, <laughs> through the match? I mean, and then at some point, Sting, I think, was stuck. And I didn't understand why. And I think they actually had to help him. Um, so I guess that wasn't, you know, planned. Maybe I don't know if it was a boot or something was stuck in there. Um, but, I mean, Terry Funk's rocking and rolling. It's it's another one that I was like, this is a slobber knocker. This is just – it's brutal, but you can't look away. You're, you're, you know, you're completely invested in it. But I did not understand – what the Terminators were and kind of how, why they were sort of walking around and all that kind of stuff. But it didn't it didn't take anything away from my utter enjoyment of the match.
3: All well, it matters. And it's one of those matches that doesn't get spoken about enough. I think it, it seems like things get it kind of forgotten about post 90, post 91. Sometimes I guess as right. WCW started to really take shape and it stinks because this was really such a fun gimmick match that, it's like equal parts pay-per-view blow-off match and, you know, bad haunted house. And I could watch this all day. I mean, it's just Me this spectacle alone. And so mistakes notwithstanding, those add to the magic of this match. And those add, you know, mistake, quote-unquote mistakes in a match. They really, um, unless it's an injury... You know, unless it's an injury, in that case, you have to accommodate the injury, whether it's stop the match immediately or cut stuff out. Um, right, otherwise, mistakes become such a gift, um, for a match because it thus propels whatever is happening in that moment to be real because it is. It's, it's like you didn't plan for this, right. So,
2: and, and, you know, getting Sting's foot stuck in there kind of slowed it down a little bit. So kind of almost built up the tension of when he finally does, you know, do that swing, because if he had done it like right away, you didn't have as much tension build up because he kind of got his foot stuck Yeah. the whole time. I'm watching, you know, I think Muda was wrestling Ric Flair at the time. And so I'm like, what's Sting doing? What's Sting doing? Sting's going to do something, refs helping him out. I'm like, okay, but still I'm like kind of watching Muda, but I'm looking up a sting. And then all of a sudden, you know, (laughs) Douglas Fairbanks. I rewound it, man. I was like, holy crap.
0: So what, what was amazing about this moment is because, yeah, where Funk is upside down hanging and he's got a booger hanging out of his nose. It's very dramatic. <laughs> uh, you know, Flair at this point has got Muda on the ground and he locks in his figure four. But then he doesn't have a really good hold on it. And that's when Sting gets caught up in the in the cage. And that allows Muda to get a reverse spinning toll hold on flair where wow. he's like upside down, pulling his neck back. Yeah. It's so dramatic. And he holds it on flair for a really long time. And flair is getting his ass handed to him in this moment. Yeah. And, it, and funk gets free. They're going to give flair a pile driver and they do. And, and it's that moment where you're like, Oh my God, is he going to break his neck? Right? Because that was just so dramatic. And sting does get free. And he splashes on funk. And at that point, Muda, uh, Jim Ross makes the totally racist comment about Muda might be a fried wonton. Fried wonton. Oh <laughs> I, yeah, I heard that. I was like, Jim I was Ross. Like, oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, of course JR's going to come out with that.
6: And now Muda goes up the cage. Will he touch the wire? That's electrified. He's right up on top of it. Muda would like to, I guess, go to the land of the rising sun right now. He may be fried wonton if he gets out of that top very strongly. I'm
2: fried wonton. Because Muda's crawling, he's on top now. Muda is up there. Um, did yeah. did they turn the electricity off? Because it seemed like he could then start climbing up. I think they did. I think they I think did they, too. They did. Um, dropped, <laughs> to lend itself to more some more high flying adventure. Speed duck. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So what 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 is great about this exchange though is because at this point you think the match is gonna end because Flair gets funk in a figure four and Sting splashes on him twice. <laughs> Paul's, Paul's losing dying. his shit over the fried wonton <laughs> bit. You know, it's racism in uh, yeah. wrestling goes hand put in hand it, sometimes.
3: So. Put it to an Oklahoma to be a, to prove how much of a hillbilly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
0: Right. right, yeah, he's got to throw that in there. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah,
2: because he also says go, he's climbing all the way to the rising sun. And I was like, I, I was yes. like oh, no. <laughs>
3: Which isn't like a My big God. deal, right? I mean, I think no, but then he throws harmless. the fried wonton
2: one in there. You're like, you had to go to the fried wonton, didn't you? You had
0: to go to a fried wonton.
2: <laughs> this match is sweet.
0: It is sour. And it is being brought to you in the power hour. Uh, uh, oh, oh. Muda is a panda. He <laughs> is a panda. The Panda Express. <laughs> Moving like a ninja, a ninja in the
4: night. <laughs> Muta,
6: oh. Move, move over, Shokasugi. With that uh, mast. He's like he's like an oriental dragon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we'll get to the dragon master too at the <laughs> end. But, uh, yeah, so so Muta, it, it, so Funk is, is in the figure four. Sting nails two splashes on Funk. Uh. And you're like, he is getting decimated. But the match continues. <laughs> it keeps going to the point where the ending is somewhat wonky because Gary Hart and Oli get in the ring with their respective towels in their hand and Oli hits Heart which causes him to lose his towel. Yeah. Which Oli throat points out to Bruno San Martino, who by the way, Bruno San Martino hits Muda for no reason, and, and, and the crowd goes wild. And you're like, that wasn't that was kind of heelish move by Bruno San There's tension
3: at the very beginning. If you notice, Muda bumps there into San Martino and San Martino shoves him. And I, you're was right, like, you're right. I was like, damn, because that's when I first realized, like, oh, that's Bruno San Martino. You know, push him around. Yeah, because I was like, is this Gene LaBelle? And then, yeah, it was. um, Yeah, so I thought that was interesting.
0: No, that's that. You know what? That sells why he did it at the end. Maybe why he hit him in the face because there was so much tension. But it seemed
3: like such a mini subplot that I don't think anyone paid attention to it.
0: No, and I don't think even I don't think even people. It really doesn't matter at the end that, that no. Gary Hart gets the the towel. Well, I was gonna say out.
2: thirty years later we're talking about it, so maybe it was ah, a good little subplot. You know, there you go, that's Corey. True.
0: Nice, nice. But that's that's the match. The match ends with uh, Sting and Ric Flair winning because Gary Hart gets the towel knocked out, quote unquote, uh, giving up the match, being the Terminator to throw in the towel. <laughs>
2: Controversy, Bob. I saw the commotion afterwards, and everyone's like, Oh, or I think JR was like, ah, It wasn't fair, you know, like it didn't count, or something like that. Um, you know, because it, I was like, Okay, so it got knocked out of his hand, and then they kind of went with that. Um, as a match, I thought it was super fun, but I and I know we're watching it for Terry Funk, but I thought Great Muda had a had a really good showing that match. I mean oh, Great Muta I think is amazing. Terry Funk yeah. did too, obviously. But I thought for me, I was like I was kind of tuning in on on Muda and uh and some of the stuff Sting yeah. was doing.
3: Yeah. Great Muda
0: is ridiculous. He's amazing.
3: Yeah. No, he I mean, I think he just recently is he still going? He just recently retired for good. I think he just why? retired, yeah. Um I mean, that's again to Terry, he's just one of those amazing talents that can drive a story forward based on his selling alone that in a match like this, where he gets just the utter tar beat out of him, He's still, it, it, it helps. It, he's, he, he gets more over like, you know what I mean? Like right. he doesn't need all this stuff. He doesn't need to be the one, you know, uh, in, in command the whole time. And he just has that real gift of making someone else look, as great as it can possibly be at his expense, you know, so.
0: I mean, he made Ric Flair look, Rick. I just have to point out the fact that Ric Flair throws him over the top rope at one point onto the ground, like a sack of potatoes. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. The there's and a big gap flops. between
2: the, the cage and the, and the mat and everything. And yeah, he just yeah. crumples.
3: Do you know why uh, Ric Flair takes his back? Like, well, this is a little unrelated, but like, so when Ric Flair takes his backdrops, do you notice why yeah. he takes them different like that? Is it always because
0: because of his back injury? Because yeah,
3: he broke his yeah. back in that plane crash, yeah. And like ever since that, he's always taken his back bumps, kind of on the side. Um,
0: but that but to have that that awareness in the ring, at yeah. all times at all times.
3: I think it just becomes absolute muscle memory habit in a way at that point. Depending on who's giving you the backdrop, right? But, um, but yeah, Terry seemed to always throw himself out knowing he's the sack of potatoes.
0: He made that look so flawless. Every time he takes a bump, he is a flawless bumper.
3: Well, that's something that they used to grill into my head was attack the mat. When you bump, attack the mat when you bump and when you sell, like sell big, but attack the, attack the mat. Like that was always something that was very key in that training was to attack the mat when you sell or when you take a bump. Um, and he he would attack everything that he bumped into, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like,
4: <laughs>
3: I
0: mean, wait till we get to the final match, but uh, to talk about attacking a table, but uh, <laughs> or surfing a table, I guess I should say. Yeah,
3: yeah, I was about to say. I,
0: I threw in a promo of Funk's Grill yep. post Halloween Havoc, which sets up the I Quit match. Funk Terry Funk had a segment throughout this summer as well, throughout this year. His his uh that we mentioned in the onset of this episode, you know, like Roddy Piper's Piper's pit or the snake pit. It just, it was uh, the wrestler doing their promo interviewing people. He interviewed the Steiners in that one, you can look that up on YouTube.
2: So it's almost like the evolution of a promo essentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interview segment. It gives, it gives more, uh, in my opinion, Paul, you can elaborate. It gives more depth to the story that's going on Sure. or allows the wrestlers to do something a little bit different, but also still be showcased on the show.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a way to keep someone active if they're not wrestling a bunch. But in this case, I think it was, um, them understanding that Terry's so engaging, and that he can, he could literally have a broomstick on his show, and it would be an entertainment, entertaining segment. You know, so it's it's also a means. Not that Rick needed help getting over, but oftentimes it can also be a means to help get somebody over. Um, Whereas somebody, you know, a talent may not be able to have microphone in hand and look directly into the camera and get themselves over. Oftentimes it helps to interact with somebody uh, because then you're taking the attention off of yourself for a bit. Whereas when it's just camera here, it's like you, all the attention's on you. Right. But, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't used in that sense either. I think it was just possibly Terry having an idea and, them saying, yeah, let's see what happens with it, you know, and I don't know how long it lasted. Well, I think he
0: did a few more after after he, quote unquote, turned face. OK, um, after, after the I quit match. But but this one in particular that I sent to you guys, this Funk's Grill from November 3rd of 89, it's it's it's, you know, roughly 10 days before their I quit match. It's interesting because Funk has Ric Flair on the gr- on the grill right. to deliver promos against each other back and forth.
2: And I, it's got a great little uh, joke. Terry Funk tells a great little joke about what? Why your head at the beginning, which was supposed yeah. to be cheesy, but really, I enjoyed it.
1: Once upon a time, there existed a head, no arms, no body, no legs, just a head, and that head prayed for a miracle. Well, that miracle took place. That head turned into a tomato, <laughs> a rotten tomato. Do you simple-minded people know what the moral of this story is? The moral of this story is quit while you're ahead. And that goes for you, too, Rick Flair. Quit while you're ahead and while you still exist. Do you understand me, Flair?
2: And the whole time right. he's like, you know, we're we're gonna have I'm gonna be talking to Ric Flair, and they have a picture of Ric Flair, and I was like, oh, it's probably just a picture of him, but no, right. it's like actually Ric Flair like waiting patiently to talk, and I was yes, like, oh, that's, yes. I was like, that's kind of cool, like like Ric Flair's it's not trying cool. to talk over him or anything right. like that. Like you could tell that there was an admiration there because he's like he's not gonna ruin it for him, so he waits to talk. And I was like, oh, Ric Flair's there the entire time that Terry Funk is talking. And he's not even, like, doing woo or doing anything. Like, he's being respectful to the to the funk's grill you know and i was like this is cool i dug it and i liked the interaction and paul to what you're saying about like uh sort of the floating head promo versus this back and forth because zach right. did send us you know um the uh i think it was the great american bash promo that funk did and that is yes. a more of a of a just in your face like right and And I could the energy level for both were so different, like like Funk's grill versus just that head promo. And I really enjoyed the the back and forth between him and
3: Ric Flair in this one. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. What's on the grill?
1: (laughs) You know, Terry Funk.
3: I understand you all too well. I
1: sit here and you wonder why? Why am I here tonight? How could I turn down the opportunity to be on the most prestigious talk show? In the history of American television, Funk's Grill. Me turn that down, not a chance. I'm here and I'll make me a star, pal. Hell, I will make you a star because I will make you look so foolish today and also on November the 15th. You see, I don't want your belt. That gold belt. I don't want your family. I don't want your money. I want something that's more valuable than that ever will be. I want your pride. I want to take that from you in Troy, New York. I want to see those tears coming out of your eyes. I want to see you running from this old dog with those rabbit pellets or raisins falling all over the ring. That's what I want. I want you to crawl underneath that ring and I want to throw you the microphone flare and I want you to scream oh so loud, I quit, I quit, Terry Funk. You are the better man and I want to see your arm reach up from out from underneath
8: there in shame and shake
1: my hand out of fear. Can you understand that, Rick, or not? Do you know how much I hate you? This is a perfect
0: way to set up the I Quit match, which, like I said earlier, got bumped ahead or bumped fo- uh, past Halloween Havoc, which again makes way more sense so, to so, have this be the final. So,
2: if this played out the way they originally intended, he would have they would have wrestled in this I Quit match, and then say uh, if say it played out the exact same way, and he you know Rick Flair makes him say I Quit, then they would have gone on. To the to the the dome match. I mean, this just yeah, seems such no a sense. more logical. It make sense. This seems more logical of a conclusion than that. Will
3: you quit in a cage?
4: <laughs> it's like, but I already
2: quit. Will you quit you know? on a train? <laughs> yeah.
0: Will you quit with a fox? Will you quit with a mouse? Ma- yeah. In a box. So, really quickly, by the way. The J-Tex Corporation is about to pick up a few new members, um, which will be kind of introduced at the end of this, of, of the upcoming match we're about to talk about. On November 15th, 1989, New York knockout Clash of Champions 9 in Troy, New York. The main event, Terry Funk versus Ric Flair. World title on the line, I quit. Or as Gordon Soley would say, five letters. Two words. I quit. Five letters, two words. I quit. Gordon Soley was on commentary with... I never forget that. To this day, it's grilled in my brain. I heard it. <laughs> uh, I've never... It's it's Jim Ross and Gordon Soli on commentary. Tommy Young is the referee. This was an I Quit match. We hadn't seen an I Quit match in a really long time. In fact, I was doing a little bit of research. The first I Quit match, according to wikipedia <laughs> is tully blancher versus magnum ta uh that was the first i quit match back in the day
3: on television or on wait for what year would that have been right because we covered our own with funk and lawler
0: yes we did so
3: as far as the nwa is concerned okay nwa right? okay okay just wanted to clarify here that terry is well-versed in the I quit match. He's well-versed in making dogs squeal and making them suck on eggs. He is well-versed in boxing chickens, boars, cheetahs. It doesn't matter. He will take anyone to the limit and make them say, I quit!
0: Or as Ric Flair would say, that's humiliating! (laughs) That's disgraceful!
2: So so did they bring this back for Terry? Basically, like, if it wasn't terry funk would it have been an i quit match or was this done for him specifically
0: in my opinion paul you can you can counter uh, this this is the logical the only logical way to end this feud it's a it's a seven almost eight month feud right that it keeps going back and forth back and forth
3: only other stipulation that would fall into play after this would be a loser leaves town match there you go yeah, you know, because then that way, you know, that one of them is staying and one of them is going to be gone. Um, and then that's that. So with an I quit match. Hey, we just know that you made him say I quit. OK, but you're still both here. and There's still rum- grumblings of that loss on the surface. So this could happen again. You know what I mean? But when you take a loser leaves town match. um. Ideally, that's, like, one of these guys is going to leave for a while. Until okay. that masked, mysterious stranger shows up <laughs> out of nowhere, somewhere down the road. And I can't quite pinpoint it, but his moves look sort of familiar. <laughs> There's something to the way this... Have I seen this young man before? This, this <laughs> star being...
0: <laughs> this Midnight Rider, yeah. Who is this
3: Midnight Rider? This yellow
0: dog. Shout out to our buddy Diallo Jackson, by the way, who loves the Midnight Rider angle with Dusty Rhodes. He, that's one of his favorite angles from back in
3: the day. So, uh, <laughs> midnight Rider, bro- yeah. So uh, well,
0: we're, we're gonna have to cover that.
3: Um, but I, yeah, yeah th-
0: This is this this whole thing, though, is th- they're building up Funk as the Pride of Texas. Right. So he's got Texas on the line. F- uh, Flair, you know, is is saying that he'll never do it. Um and and there's a there's promos ahead of time where
3: oh yeah Terry uh, I don't care about that gold care about your pride it means a lot more
2: yeah I like that he's like yeah I don't care about your your yeah the belt and that's you know I'm taking the one thing that you know you have and that's the pride I was like that was cool I I got that I understood what was I understood what was on the line for Ric Flair and and I think there's something special about it not being about you know money not being about what in the in the eyes of for me you know not being about the belt or something it's just down and dirty I want to take your pride and I think that's that's very relatable and I think that's what made it exciting
3: sure
1: now Terry Funk we know what's coming down it's called I quit that means two great champions are gonna walk that aisle tonight and they're gonna get in that ring with one thing in mind. And that is to make, now think about this, to make the other say, I quit on a nationally televised program before millions
7: of people. That's humiliating, that's disgraceful, that's the end. Think about it.
1: National television, I quit. Well, I look at it like this, Terry Funk, I'm the world champion. The title's not on the line. But if I say I quit, I'm done. For you, you've got nothing to lose. You're the pride of Texas. You're one of the true greats on this sport. So tonight, Terry Funk, it's no man's land. It's a crash course. But the bottom line is, woo, to beat the man, you got to beat the man. Woo.
0: It's interesting, though, because the whole angle with Flair is like, you know, this is about one particular thing. You know, you got to have guts. You're gutless if you don't do this, essentially, is what he's saying. In the Havoc entrance, Flair comes to the ring with no quote-unquote fanfare, no beautiful women with him. In this entrance, when he comes to the ring, Gary Michael Capetta is introducing the wrestlers, of course. Wow, Gary, the voice of NWA, beautiful announcer, just the best voice. Yep, and then I will actually put links to Gary Michael Capetta's book in our show notes as well if you want to check that out because it's a great read. But Flair comes to the ring with two, with three ladies, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a little bit of, this is his heelish side coming out a little bit. And then he's coming down the ring, he's, you know, hugging people, shaking people's hands. At one point, people are grabbing onto him, and you can hear him go, all right, all right, all right, like, get your hands off of me. I know it's not intentional, But part of me is like, this is planting the seeds. This is planting the seeds for the future heel flair that we all want to see because he's so great at what he does. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Funk comes out first, by the way, to the ring, to the theme song. His wonderful theme song that I will put at the beginning of this episode, Man with Harmonica, from Once Upon a Time in the West, Sergio Leone, Ennio Morricone, in my opinion, my favorite Western of all time.
3: I think that might have been Toots to Lamone on the harmonica in that Any Americani song. Yeah, because it's a chromatic harmonica that gets that.
0: So creepy, so yeah. creepy and so good. And you're like, OK, this guy is at the top of his game funk. Like you said, Corey. I think Terry Funk might be the quote-unquote definition of a butterface because at this point he's got the million-dollar bod with the
3: face that's grizzled <laughs> and, you know, no offense, no offense, I'm just saying. Uh.
0: Call it like I see it.
6: wrestling fans, the following contest, it is the featured I Quit Match. Now ladies and gentlemen, remember there will be no disqualifications, no countouts. The only way a winner will be decided is when one wrestler says... I quit. Introducing the first participant, Gary Hart presents from the Double Cross Ranch in Canyon, Texas. He weighs 247 pounds. Terry Fung! Terry Fung making his way down to the ring and as you mentioned earlier, the physical toll that it will take on this man and Ric Flair will certainly put Flair in a precarious position going into the Dark Age future shot and out of the Iron Man tournament. This no match punch. with no falls, no pinfalls, no disqualification, Gordon, it's gonna be so physical. The other thing about it that really in a sense is awfully sad is we're going to see an end of a dynasty. From Charlotte, North Carolina, he weighs 200, and 45 pounds. And for the sixth time, he is the world heavyweight champion, Nature Boy Rick Flair.
0: And you know, this match is a, a legit brawl. I've never heard chops. I thought I heard chops louder, Paul, in the...
3: Oh, uh, you feel them in this one.
0: I thought the chops were bad in the Funk Steamboat match. In this, they are beyond black and blue brutal.
3: Yeah, it's... Uh, I think I even have some slight chest... <laughs> yeah, you do. ...from my matches recently. Yeah, uh, yeah, you definitely you feel the brutality in this match. I mean, they're laying it all out, and... Um, all for the pride of saying i made you say you quit you dog you know but yeah you feel the chops you don't just hear them you feel them and that's you know terry had big hands you know i he's, think yeah. he's got some mitts to him and rick i mean you know that's he's the master of the chops and yeah certainly when you see the effects on the body it it, it adds to the drama and to the story that you're witnessing and the illusion of realism and this is real and this is still real to me damn it still real to me <laughs> it, it look I know that I, you know they're they're
0: punching each other in the face and, and they're not pulling back i think
2: th- i think this is the one where they get into like a, a box boxing match and whatnot and one thing yeah. i did like about this one a lot um like we didn't have any other wrestlers at, until the like the end when it you know really goes crazy. Uh, we didn't have anybody to take away from these two guys here, which is why I think this is a better end for all that because we didn't have Sting and and Muda doing things at the same time. This was just them, and I love Terry Funk being going like, "Bring me that microphone, bring me that microphone," and he's trying to get you know uh, <laughs> Ric Flair to say, "I quit" and everything, and you could just you could feel the intensity. But then I I also picked up on something where they were like. The announcers were like, this is like a, not a first, but this is sort of a rare thing where we have the microphones are yeah. in the, the rink so you can actually hear what they're saying. And I wanted to ask you guys, like, did that is – that, is that something that was rare at the time? And did that sort of open the door to starting to hear what the wrestlers say or – do they ever fall back uh, on that? You know?
3: I mean, it might have been for NWA just because this was you said this was the first I quit match on NWA TV, I think, or something. So yeah, like
0: Yeah, prior to this was the first one since Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA.
3: So they could have been uh saying that as just to add to the spectacle that this was something new to the viewers and and this is very different, and just so that you can see that this is for real. You're actually going to hear them say, I quit. And we're going to get the microphone in there just to make sure. So there's no questions about it. Um, but again, I think that's standard for pretty much any I quit match. Uh, if they're able to do it, okay. there are certainly indie independent shows that maybe don't have those capabilities. And, and in that case, you just tap. <laughs> you, know, you just tap on the mat or drop your arm three times.
0: Jim Ross was selling the fact that they had a wireless microphone. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. I remember, I was like, technology, oh, big deal. 1989 <laughs> technology, <laughs> that's 1989. pretty huge.
2: Yeah, and then I look in the background, I see those poor camera guys holding those giant cameras like, oh Yeah, my God. yeah,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> and,
0: you know, we, we also should mention that uh, there was a guy named Doug Dillinger who was their, like, head yes. of security, basically. And he was, a, he was an integral part in uh, the storylines as well, always kind of being out there to make sure everyone was safe, and Funk would always get in his face uh, when 100. when he was kind of kind of flailing around as he would. Um, but you know, he at one point he starts slapping Flair in the face, and then Flair grabs him by the <laughs> neck, and it is it is my fav- one of my favorite moments in this match because because Funk is like smacking him like you know like a little bitch basically, yeah, and and, and Funk. And Flair is like, I'm not gonna take this shit anymore. And he grabs him by the neck and like moves him back. And you see Flair, funk just kind of flail back. It is such a fantastic moment. <laughs> you know those guys were like, we're gonna go all out, we're gonna lay it right. all on the table. You know, uh five letters, two words, I quit. And <laughs> and Funk is, you know, selling in the microphone, Corey. He's like, You wanna quit quit, yeah, Flair? Yeah. You gutless pig. And <laughs> that's where I got that from. Anyways uh funk pile drives flare on the ground right on the concrete no pads um it is more dramatic than the one in may at the wrestle war on the table because flare in that in that pile driver is like basically doing a handstand with his hands on the ground this one is like full on um you know, a, a table gets introduced, which became a staple for, for you know, <laughs> wrestling moving forward. But at the yeah. time, it was still a big deal. You know, the chops and the stomps and, and just and, and just Funk getting the hell smacked out of them. It's so intense. And what I love, what I love, and again, it's something I don't think that's done to this day. Nowadays, Flair's signature move, the figure four leg lock the move that will break your leg. He does not whip it out until the very end. It's the last move that he does, and he never does it up until that point. He starts to build on it, but I think the crowd wants to see the figure four, and they never do until the very end, and Funk sells that figure four like no one has ever done it before and I don't think he's ever done it since. No, dude,
2: I, I no. was I was completely into, you know, Funk's like, yeah, doing his thing and they're like, if it's one more second longer, it's gonna break his leg and I'm just I'm on the edge of my seat watching it and I was like, oh, you know, I'm, and I'm rooting for Terry Funk and everything but, you know, he, he does at that point you know, concede
6: He's got that thing locked completely in He's got it deep, deep in there uh, yeah. Gordon, have you ever seen the yeah, no, last no, yeah. to the figure four? Line, it, can be it can be reversed. It bringing...
3: well, I... can
6: be I... reversed. Uh, yes, I quit. He said it.
2: what a great end of the match. And then I even like how it sort of even goes further and, and then it gets really exciting. But before it does, I really liked Terry Funk wanting to shake Ric Flair's hand and be like, be honorable, be like, yo, you beat me. But then, you know, his manager, uh, Gary, Gary Hart. Hart, you know, what? Right. It's, and I kind of didn't understand what had happened or kind of, I don't, I feel like I blinked or something. Gary Hart kind of knocks out um, uh, Terry Funk a little bit. And then that's when the giant brawl happens. But, for me, the culmination at the end of this whole thing—that is the standout moment to me—was the fact that Terry Funk loses, and he's like, "I lost," like a man. And then he goes over and he's like, "I want to shake Ric Flair's hand," and then his you know manager tells him not to. That was what I loved the most about this entire thing was <laughs> the fact that Terry Funk was honorable at the end. I thought that was super cool.
3: Yeah, he—that's that's one of the things I think him and Piper share is they have like that such a old thread of. Respect for for the for the industry, for the craft, for the for the the carny aspect of it, the the workman aspect of it, the blue collar aspect of it, the survivor aspect of it. There's just such a just an a, a unconditional love for the purity of it that win, lose or draw. Or there's no draw, but win or lose in the in the sake of the match, regardless of where they are from a character standpoint um when they bust something like that out and go to do the the honorable thing like it just it means so much more too than it being something that's kind of more put on um you know it means more coming from guys like that you know um but i love that gary hard kept him from that too because it just adds to the heel yeah it's like any time you think this can be a perfect ending and the fans can go home happy. Hmm. is there a way to sprinkle some heel stuff in there and possibly bring them back for one more like one more tickets around a ticket sales like come on like there's gotta be a couple more tickets we could sell so it's it's always fun to play with that I love a good heel who relishes being a heel
0: I was hoping though because yeah the way this match ends like like we said that uh Terry submits he says i quit and then he says he says, uh, you know, hearts yelling at him and Terry's like, I promised the fans, I promised the fans that I'd shake his yeah. hand. Right. And, right. and, and fun. And then Flair's like, you know, give it to me. Come on. You know, and they kind of <laughs> have their, like, I respect you yeah. kind of yeah. thing at the end. Yeah. And that's when Gary continues to lose his shit. And there's a moment there because yeah, he goes after funk. And then at this point now, the Dragon Master, who we're pretty much introduced to, another part of the JTEX, and 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 Buzz Sawyer will factor into it later on, but it, it's watered down. But Muda, <laughs> the Dragon Master, come out and attack Flare, which causes uh Sting to come out and save the day, basically, try to save the day. And when this does happen, Gary Hart has like lost it and he pushes Funk out of the ring.
2: Yeah. Right. I, and that's and, kind of the end of <laughs> Funk here. I was like, I thought there would be more Funk in this post-madness that happens.
0: Well, I was hoping, and this is my this is my story building, because, Paul, Corey loves to story build. He loves yeah, to build love the, the story build. before. He loves to build the story after. What could happen? What could be in this, in right. this thing? And my story building was that Funk would be turn face and align himself with Sting and Flair against Muta. Yeah dragon master and then lex luger comes out to destroy everybody as well um really quickly side note for this clash of champions there was an award ceremony earlier in the night where pro wrestling illustrated i believe was giving out all these awards favorite wrestler best wrestler blah 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 blah. and luger was so just pissed right we've been that's the other thing too throughout the course of this year fueling that Luger thinks he's the best and he's being deprived of what is his, right? This championship. And that's why he comes out and destroys everyone.
2: Smashes them.
0: Right? What you have in this moment is Jim Ross and Gordon Soley have to close the chapter on Flair Funk, but also open up the new door to this new storyline, which is going to create the reformation of the Four Horsemen, et cetera, et cetera which we'll definitely talk about down the line because it's worth uh, bringing up some great matches in that. But, like I said, we toe-dip into the 90s occasionally, and we will get into the maybe 1990 for NWA. You know, the heels are kind of dominating. Funk is written off. But the end of this match-match thing, like the pay-per-view, it's not a pay-per-view, it's a live television broadcast on TBS, Gordon Soley and Jim Ross are closing it out. And I love this. And this is a great way to kind of wrap this whole episode up. They're talking about what happened with Luger and, and JTex, right? But they also say, Gordon Soli says, you have to salute Terry Funk. The Funk family name has been upheld. He is a man of his word. They close out the episode talking about Funk.
6: We have to salute Terry Funk his courage and his integrity he did what he said he would do i have to concur with you in regards to terry funk the funk family name has been upheld he is a man of his word but i'll tell you what words cannot describe the courage of rick flair ladies and gentlemen have a full report friday night
0: for borden Sony. i'm jim ross so long from troy new york the reason why this is as good as it is flair can go with just he can go with anybody terry funk elevated this to a whole other level And this whole storyline that we've been covering from May of 89 to November of 89 is a perfect capsule of what I love about wrestling, what I will always love about wrestling, what got me to love wrestling with the highest passion. If I ever have a moment where I'm like something, I need something to bring me back positive, like bring me, uplift me. I will put this storyline on just to remind me that anything is possible if you have the right components to it and this is just a perfect capsule of what wrestling is for any new fan i would show this to them for anybody who's kind of burned out on wrestling i would show this to them because it'll reignite that passion and i think it's a perfect way to kind of wrap it up your guys thoughts Corey? what is your thought about this
2: um so i mean most of the time that I have any sort of, especially with you and Diallo, have any sort of discussions about wrestling, it's usually singular events, solitary sort of things, moments in time. This was really cool to see an evolution, like you said, over the course of like seven or eight months. And for me, I grew up reading comic books, um, you know, and like a lot of Marvel comics and everything like that. I was mostly Marvel or Dark Horse comics. In 1989, I was probably reading uh, the Aliens and the Predator comics over at Dark yeah. Horse.
0: Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna have you jump in in a minute. And- well,
2: then, well, we'll we'll count that as now. And yeah, basically, back in 1989, if y'all were reading comics, man, the the Dark Horse Predator series was out. The first one, Concrete Jungle, which was great, and then the Alien series. It was on their second one, and I, I have all the original issues back home. Um, but what I found interesting about all of this, two things: one, it made Terry Funk for me be someone other than just a face that I've seen, a name that I've heard, someone that I've enjoyed in the past, but now I've seen what he's capable of. And I don't just mean in the ring, I mean in selling the storyline. But as a comic book reader, I'm like, I was impressed by how comic booky it is. Whereas like, unlike the Dark Horse comics where, where you'd read like four or five issues and that'd be a singular story and they move on to something else. But if you're reading like X-Men, you know issues will they'll have arcs and everything but nothing ends it keeps going and, and you're peppering in you know even in this arc is about wolverine versus Sabretooth, you're peppering in side stories that are going to turn into an arc later and i was just sort of amazed at how comic booky it all is and i say that in the highest possible you know no. um, yeah i think it's it's a wonderful thing and there's just no end to it um but I loved how specifically for this end of this story arc, I love the honor of Terry Funk at the end. I think for me, that was the button on this whole thing that I really enjoyed was Terry Funk wanting to shake you know Ric Flair's hand, and then I, I understand how that also you know even though he'd lost, it, he's kind of a winner at the same time because it's like he didn't tarnish his family name and all this kind of stuff, and but to see him get there through the promos. Through the, the slobber knocker fests, but to see him get to that point, I was along the ride. I was along for the ride the entire time. And that's because of these two giants selling everything, you know? And also, again, I'm, I'm such a noob to all this, but little moments that I like is like I'm watching Ric Flair, like, you know, not talk over Terry Funk during his promo cuts. I was like, that's respect right there. That's professionalism right there. And that kind of reminds you that these guys aren't just some brainless goon in the, you know, all muscle. Like these guys are so aware of what they're doing and what they're saying and how things are perceived and, and waiting for someone else's to be done talking like that's respect. So these were the little kernels that I got out of this, that, that I think for me add more to, to my knowledge of Terry Funk and everything. And, and thank you guys for having me on. I, I really appreciate this. I love doing this. This was awesome. I feel like I have a new wealth of knowledge From it, you know, so thank you both for this.
3: The territories welcomes you and thanks you as well, young Corey. Uh, (laughs) Now that you've got the territories in your veins, it's hard to get it out. And it just spreads and spreads. Uh, Thank God for YouTube, Daily Motion, all these other means to watch these lost, not forgotten eras. um, Sometimes not lost, rediscovered eras of professional wrestling where it was as real as it could be. And it still is. And so what you see is what you get. It's not oversimplified. It's not overcooked. It's not overproduced. It's just a thing of beauty, you know? So it's a, it's an art form that is unmatched, untouched. And when you can see two greats, two absolute masters, uh, legends making magic, it's a, it's a joy to watch, and I highly recommend anybody seek out any of the links that we have up for what we've spoken about today. And don't just stop at 89. Yeah. Go further back. Go further back, further back. Um, on one of our episodes early on, we'll cover right. a I I Quit Match between Terry and uh, Jerry Lawler in an empty arena, which is uh, – think this one's wild. <laughs> but <laughs> – so so we don't know that roadhouse was an instant hit it was it took a while to find its audience i imagine it
2: did yeah vhs yeah, yeah vhs really made it take off it didn't it didn't have theatrical uh money now
3: right what i'm trying to think of what terry's next film project what did he have been and i know he did the johnny knoxville movie way later he did. Was, was he not on Thunder and Paradise, a couple of those episodes, maybe? So, yeah.
0: So, Terry Funk, really quickly, uh, he was on a episode of a TV show called Good and Evil. He was on Quantum Leap. He was on uh, mm. Swamp Thing, the TV show.
2: Oh, I remember that That was
0: his next kind of foray was the swamp thing. He was
2: also on an episode of The Adventures of Briscoe County, Jr. There you go uh, with Bruce Campbell. Yeah, which just had its thirtieth anniversary like yesterday. I love that show. But yeah, he was um, he was in an episode of that.
3: I would have liked to have seen him have a similar trajectory to Roddy Piper's uh, film career. With you know, it would have been yeah, definitely was suited for it. But he was as real as it got. He was one of texas favorite sons certainly makes me proud to be a texan and terry will never be forgotten he was absolutely just a, li- a living legend and a legend that'll last forever and ever um i'm certainly grateful for all the terry time that we've had i'm certainly grateful for all the the matches and wonderful magic he's shared and, and given us throughout the decades and This has been a lot of fun and a wonderful uh, year. Well, 89, we're just very kept, you know, it's a nice little tribute, but there's so much more Terry out there. So please, please do yourself a favor and seek it out.
0: Yeah, as you know, this is the culmination of our month-long crossover Podcasting After Dark, $2 late fee, now Territory Marks uh, with Roadhouse 1989. So of course, we got to pull out Terry Funk matches from 89, and wow, what a run he had in 89. I think Gordon Soli said it best when he said you have to salute Terry Funk, and I think uh, this was maybe the best way we could salute him for 1989, but like Paul said, there are so many more matches. I would not be surprised if He continues to come up a couple more times this year. Um,
3: We might just rename this Territory Marks. I mean, (laughs) Territory
0: Marks would actually be a great... So, really quickly, because I don't think a lot lot of people know about this. We do have merch, by the way. Territory Marks does have merch. We got t-shirts. Yes. We will have koozies. We will have a lot of other things down the road. But in the meantime, if you want to go get some Territory Mark merch... Go to $2LateFee.com. The links are in the show notes per use. Uh, if you're new to if, – if you don't know what $2 Late Fee is or podcasting after dark is, first of all, $2 Late Fee. Go to $2LateFee.com. You might have found Territory Marks on its own on Spotify or all the other across the yeah. world because now it's its own separate feed. Um, for those of you that have just discovered us, thank you so much. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a five star rating, well, you'll hear that in the <laughs> outro too. That would be much appreciated. But uh, we are crossing over to the dark side with podcasting after dark. Corey, What's going on with Podcasting After Dark? Can we tease up what's happening in October, or can we just talk about what's happening on Podcasting After Dark?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, if you just found uh, me, Corey, through this, um, I I hope I didn't let anybody down. Um, But uh, I had a blast. (laughs) And uh, Zach and I are always talking about cult movies over on Podcasting After Dark. It's kind of the... The, the dark shadow of $2 Late Fee, uh, <laughs> kind of like how Krampus is the dark shadow of Santa Claus. And uh, we, we talk about more weirder, a bit more rated R films and everything, uh, but we also have an, a spinoff show as well uh, called TV Obscura, where we dive into weird, obscure shows. And just like $2 Late Fee, we kind of stick around the late 70s, 80s, early 90s era of things and whatnot. We have our buddy Diallo over there. Um, and October's coming up, so that's going to be a big Big month for Zach and I. As of the time of this recording, we have not quite locked in what we're going to do because we have two different options, but it's going to be fun either way. And uh, they're going to be awesome movies regardless. And uh, if you want to find out, you know, all our podcatchers and everything, you can go to podcastingafterdark.com. That's podcastingafterdark.com for all our links, Patreon, podcatchers, merch store, etc. And yes, uh, guys and gals. A great way to help any show that you love, any podcast you love, whether it's $2 LA fee, whether it's Territory Marks, whether it's Podcast After Dark, whether it's another one. How about right now, just leave one of your favorite podcasts a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening, any of them, just do it. Karma is great, and they really do help, you know, all shows grow and everything. So support your favorite podcasts and your your favorite uh, content producers, like Paul and Zach and everybody over here, Uh, and Dustin, of course, Dustin, too. Of course,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I will throw out one more little little thing here. If you want to know upcoming news before anyone else, you can sign up to Podcasting After Dark's Patreon and to... $2 late fees patreon patreon.com slash two dollar late fee patreon.com slash podcasting after dark you can go to those yeah and bada bing bada boom uh and the at the time of this taping we will be having a um fundraiser i think the fundraiser actually happened already um uh, but there's links to momentum wheels for humanity and that is the charity that raises money for people with disabilities and wheelchairs uh providing wheelchairs for people in third world countries and right here obviously in the united mm-hmm. states Um, it's, it's a under the radar kind of charity for people that, you know, obviously need support. So, uh, consider doing that as well. Links for that are in the show notes too. But as Gordon solely said, you have to salute Terry Funk. I hope he did his name justice. Paul, I hope we brought a little shine to, uh, Terry Funk name.
3: Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, uh, he's boxing boars up in the promised land. Uh, Heaven's gates, or wherever he is, sucking on eggs and calling out the dogs that are out there pretending to be angels. You gutless pig. So, I'm Jesus. That's <laughs> it's right. That's right. Cutting promos Over, in the sky. You son of a bitch. You chicken lover. You banana nose. Uh, horse tooth. <laughs> yeah. You damn hippie. Look at you. Whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is not just jesus versus jason versus, uh i was gonna say versus jason we're not there yet but terry versus jesus is pretty terry good terry
0: and roddy are up there cutting promos on jesus right now and
2: uh well they're doing uh oh, funks grill they're
0: doing yeah. funks, they're doing grill, doing funk's right grill and now. piper's pit
3: yeah there you go. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah jesus is like i just want a hot dog <laughs> um well no this has been a lot of fun thank you guys it's it's um, always a pleasure to to be given and fed, um, fantastic uh, stuff to watch and review and, and reminisce over. So, uh, till next time, I hope we get to all cross paths again. And, um, as Corey mentioned, you know, please, uh, leave your kind reviews or you will be an egg sucking dog. <laughs> And, yeah, give support to all the shows here that are on the $2 late fee umbrella. So thank you all very much for listening. And love and hug your your loved ones a little tighter at night because you never know when the egg will crack.
0: Oh, that's really sweet. Till next time, everybody, play us out. Thanks again for listening to Territory Marks. If you like what you hear, then consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. While you're at it, head on over to our Patreon, too. The link is in our show notes.
3: And if you want more 80s nostalgia, go check out my tag partner, Zach, and our Terry Bam Bam of Ballyhoo, Dustin, over at $2LateFee.com, where the faces always win, even in the territories.
6: Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s.
4: You're listening to the Geekscape Network.